We're talking with eCargo today. Now, if you don't know the company, uh, ASX code ECG, it's got a market cap of $17 million. The company's building a one-stop ecosystem of platforms and services that give global brands access to millions of consumers across China and Asia Pacific. We have with us the group executive officer, Mr. Lawrence Lum. Lawrence, thanks for your time. Thank you, Tim. It's always a pleasure being here. Now, you, you recently uh, released your interim results. What, what were some of the highlights? Yeah, uh, we released our first half of our results this year. Uh, in terms of net profit, we we're up 24.7 million, but there's obviously a one-off gain there, about 23.3 million uh, from our sale of our Amplique business. But overall, if we just look at continue operations, we're first time in the last eight years since we've been listed, uh, we generate a net profit of about 1.4 million Hong Kong dollars, uh, equivalent of about 300,000 Australian uh, for our kind of our net profit. Our revenue wise, uh, we did drop about 7%, but that's mainly because we had about three months of lockdown in China due to COVID. Uh, because of that lockdown, we did see a drop in our um, offline trading revenue to our brick and mortar stores. Uh, but then in the same time, we contributed higher gross profit. Uh, we improved about 16% in our gross profit due to um, our higher margin products that we've been selling, that we still have high demand, um, especially in online sales while they're during the lockdown period, that really helped and support our business. Now, of course, you know I'm going to ask you a question about supply chains yes. and uh, the COVID lockdown and how that's affected business. And what, what are you seeing over there in China and Asia in particular? Yeah, so, so COVID, you know, it's still surprising that we're still talking about that after, what, two and a half, three years now. But um, I think all over the whole world, while everywhere is currently opening up, uh, China is still currently uh, running on a different policy, and that is, you know, we still want to go for COVID zero. So in different parts of this, um, in China, especially in first tier, second tier cities, where there are still some outbreaks, um, you know, we're talking about double digit cases here and there, there will be lockdown um, or at least control lockdown in China. That has affected in terms of some of the distribution and some supply chain disruptions. But overall, if we look at the supply chain conditions in terms of logistics, in terms of shipping, uh, freight um, um, aspect is not as bad as it was two years ago. We kind of trying to return back to normal. There is a certain now policy that goes through. Um, so you see, you do see it like in terms of supply chain rates, shipping outside from China, exporting to other parts of countries has come down uh, significantly compared to previous years, uh, at least over the last two years. So we're resuming some sort of normality there. Um, in terms of distribution, um, I think post COVID or at least still in the situation, um, customer behavior has shifted um, where Generally, cons cons consumption in China has always been increasing. This time, this year has already started to slow down a bit. Um, but we do see still high demand in um, products that are more in the health and wellness uh, segment, um, in the uh, baby and mom section, where people still kind of are looking for high quality products from overseas. Um, that is still currently high demand um, in China and other parts of Asia as well, where we sell. And, and, and from a platform perspective, do, do you ensure that you've got the right products for the, the right sort of target market? And do you kind of pivot your, position, uh, your business that way and be kind of well-weighted for those sort of products? Yeah, so we're a little different from other kind of like, we say, export businesses out of Australia, um, where a lot of people when we look at China, they might be in, um, looking at distribution into the first tier, second tier cities like Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the big names that you've heard of. While our focus actually has been in the last two years, been in third, fourth, and fifth tier cities, which are more in the rural areas where we see a higher demand, increasing income is starting to increase, and they're looking for products where the distribution channels there are more fragmented. So that's where we, we kind of focus on in terms of segments. So uh, when we look at products and the brands that we choose to work with, we all always look for uh, brands that are generally high sought after. 
um, product categories that we know have a bit of uh, control and sustainability. Um, and then we, we basically work with our distribution partners in those particular cities to sell. So we, we I guess in a sense, it's been helping in the business in terms of our strategy, um, as well as protecting our margins. Um, and in terms of where some of the food products may be on the lower end, um, single digit margins, while we're still now performing at double digit margins um, when we're selling to our partners. And, and how does a partner find you and your platform and, and do you just solely deal with um, external kind of brands? Have you, have you created your own brands and thought about white labeling product, products across your own platform? So since 2014, since our business has um, established, we were a service provider. So we've, we've generated a lot of uh, knowledge around how to trade, how to sell, how to build a brand um, in China and other parts of Asia. Um, in the last three years, we've shifted that model into becoming really a brand partner, meaning we actually work on exclusivity with the brand partners that have signed on with us. Um, and because of these brands, it also helps us establish networks with our distribution partners because some, some of these brands, these distribution partners won't be able to obtain. So therefore, they will come and naturally find us and therefore we work with them. Second is because we also acquired the Metcash export business back in 2019, 2018, 2019. And that also opened up uh, a wealth of distribution channels that we never existed before and that we are, overnight we already have within our, within our business. So we both have the online and the offline piece uh, when, we, when we work with these partners. Um, and so therefore, when uh, uh, now on kind of where we're going now, um, especially with the divestment of Amplix business, uh, we're looking at setting up our own brands, whether we invest into brands that are already in, in the market that we can now take export into, into China and other parts of Asia, or we set up our own uh, brands using the knowledge that we've built over the last few years. And, and what are some of the kind of milestones investors could look towards from eCargo over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, I think uh, on a couple of aspects, right? One, in terms of a financial performance, um, you know, it's, it's, since I returned to the business, this has always been to drive profitability in the business. So we've been doing everything that we can to change the business structure, um, our core products that we've been working on, our services, our value propositions to ensure that we deliver profitability continuously. That's number one. Number two is in terms of the um, money that we've received from the process from the sale, we are looking to invest into different brands. So in, in a sense, not just brands, sorry, so brands and also service partners that will help build up our ecosystem to make it more valuable uh, for our shareholders that are holding our, our company. And the third is we also building up our ecosystem. So, um, you know, a number of other announcements that we've made over the year, over the months, um, we've been establishing different platforms, proprietary technology, whether that's B2B trading to enable better cross-border trade between suppliers and buyers um, in, in Asia, or all the way to um, setting up our own marketplace platform to sell, for example, our cross-border uh, fine wine platform that we've been selling wine into China. Um, and the future is um, in terms of, I will not disclose fully, but it's gonna be marketing um, angle where there's gonna be platforms to support the marketing programs for our brand partners that are working with us. Lawrence, always good to see you. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure.